right, let's pray. God, thanks for your goodness to us. Thank you for the chance to be gathered as your people gathered under your name to lift your praise. You are good. And we praise you this morning. I pray that as we open your word, we might taste and see that goodness. Your word says, great is your faithfulness. Your mercies are new every single morning. We need you, Lord. Holy Spirit, would you fill this place? We know you're here. Would you open our eyes to see you? Would you speak to us through your word? We celebrate the fact that you are the resurrection and the life. That every Sunday is Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. And so we praise you for all that you're doing, bringing your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And everybody said, all right, if you have a Bible, meet me in John chapter five. We're going to continue in our series through the book of John. But I want to start with a question while you are finding your way to John chapter five. I want you to actually... Raise your hand if this is true. Do you need God to do something in your life? Raise your hand. Come on, some of you are shy. This is an easy one. Every single one of you should be raising your hand class. All right. It's like we're back in middle school here and you're like, I'm not doing it. Not doing it. I know I need God, but I'm not doing it. (laughs) We all do, right? We all need God to show up. At least anyone in here today or watching online who's honest about where they are in life, even if you don't believe God is real, I think you'd at least entertain the idea it would be nice if God was real and it would be nice if he loved me and gave himself for me. And then three days later rose to life. And because of that, what we sang is true. That I'm going to raise a hallelujah because God came to earth and did what I could not do so that I could have life. And Jesus said, get this, an abundant life, life to the full Man, that sounds good. That sounds like what I want. But why does that elude so many of us? We all need God to show up in a certain situation. Right. I mentioned last week that just this calendar year, 129 mass shootings, like why that can't be tolerated. But the answer is not the ones we've been given. The answer is a resurrected Jesus. And so we all need Jesus today. We all need him in not just a general sense, but if I was to dive in with you, you could tell me the specific place that you need Jesus in. We all need Jesus. That's why we say around here, the vision is Jesus, that if you don't fall in love with God, then nothing else will come, right? Jesus said in John 15, 5, apart from me, you can do how much? Nothing. You're like, I know that's true, but I don't live like that's true. I do a whole lot of stuff. Nothing of eternal value. Nothing is really fulfilling in life apart from Jesus. And so I believe you're in the right place. Thanks for coming to church today. I think God wants to speak to you from his word. And we're in John chapter 5. 
And John chapter five is interesting because Jesus, we've been going through his interactions with people, right? And saying that we actually learn a lot about people from their interactions with other people, right? We said a couple weeks ago, I'm pretty great if nobody else is around. You're awesome as long as you don't bother me, right? Ministry's great if it wasn't for the people. Some of you said that really fast. It's like you might you might have used to be a ministry or something. I'm available after the service for counseling. We'll counsel each other. It'll be great. But yeah, we we learn a lot about each other in our interactions, don't we? And so doesn't it make sense that if we're created in the image of God, we would find out a lot about God in his interactions with other people. It's when we come together that it's the pressing and the squeezing and the life living that we find out a lot about each other. And so that's true for Jesus. And in John chapter five, Jesus has an interaction with a man and it's going to catch us all by surprise if we let it. It's a powerful interaction that has a lot to say about your life and mine has a lot to say about what we're actually looking for in life, whether we actually want an abundant life or not. Our beliefs, right? Jesus, the question Jesus asks a lot, he asked it of a woman in John 11 when he said, I'm the resurrection and the life. The question he asked was, do you believe it? And so that's the question we asked last week. Do we believe it? Do we believe that there is wind making the trees move or do we believe the trees are making the wind? It's a big question to ask because it's a question of I'm in control or he's in control. And so that's why we struggle. And so here we are in John chapter five and the Bible says this in verse one, sometime later, right? So Jesus is moving now and says he went up from Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. It doesn't tell us which one here. And it says this, now there is in Jerusalem near the sheep gate, a pool. If you have a study Bible, you could open it to the back and you could see a visual of what this is, where the sheep gate was. We don't have time to get into all of that. But in Aramaic, it's called Bethsaida, which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. So John's painting a picture for you. That there's this gate and there's this place with five colonnades, five pillars And it's a place where verse three says a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame and the paralyzed. And I want you to just stop there and just think about the picture that John is painting here. Just outside the gate of the city is a place where those who need the most gather together In one place. It says the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. We could we could keep going. We could we could we could say the gossips, the addicted, the cynical. I could keep going and I'd get to you, wouldn't I? But I won't. (laughs) But I want you to put yourself there. 
Why, why does John bring us to this? Why, why wouldn't John just jump us to the interaction with the person? Because what you and I need to understand is that when you come to Jesus, we're all in that place. We're all sitting under that colonnade next to that pool with every other human being that's ever been on the face of the earth. Lame, paralyzed and in need. But here's the problem. And here's the rub. And we say this almost every week. The rub is that we don't actually think we're handicapped. We just don't. I don't. And you probably don't either. That, that we, we actually get up on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and we don't actually abide in Christ. Now I know some of you have been working on that since we've been talking about it. And I have too. But we, we have to be honest. If, if I'm not seeing Jesus in my life, it's not because Jesus stopped showing up. Right? Listen, we say all the time, there's no shortcuts to the presence of God. <laughs> Jesus is there. He's with us. He is Emmanuel. Right? That didn't stop on December 26th. We're pretty sure he didn't even come in December. It's just a thing we do. (laughs) But we celebrate Emmanuel, God with us in Advent, don't we? It's the time when we allow the church calendar to take over our calendar and say the things that matter are the things of God. But then we move out of that season, right? Jesus doesn't. He's still here. And it's so important for us to lay that foundation for this story because what happens next is honestly, it's quite shocking. It's kind of surprising. First of all, our modern translations, you'll see it goes straight from verse 3 to verse 5. Well, that's weird. What happened to verse (laughs) 4? Well, as time went on, we got better scholarship and we realized that verse 4 shouldn't be in there because it's not in the earliest manuscripts. Okay? So we've got that going for us. So here we are. We get to verse 5 and look look at the situation here. One man... One man was there and had been an invalid for 38 years. This one guy has been coming to the same place as an invalid for 38 years. Verse 6, when Jesus saw him lying there, he learned that he had been in this condition for a long time. Pause. I don't want to miss the significance of Jesus coming to a pool with how many people? What does the Bible say was the number of people gathered in this colonnade? What's it say? Great. Right? Somebody lift up your voice and say great. Is great a lot or a little class? (laughs) It's a lot, right? There's this great number of people and Jesus walks up to one man. What a significant statement. You might be tempted this morning to think, I am handicapped. I'm handicapped in this place in my life and I can't get over it. And you might be tempted to think that out of the billions of people that the Bible says in John 3, for God so loved the what? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. You might be tempted to think that all the other billions of people in the world matter to God more than you. 
Now, listen, I know, you know, theologically, that's not true. But there's a difference on Tuesday when you're depressed. There's a difference on Thursday when you're sinning and you feel so help me, God, Romans chapter seven. Right. Who's going to deliver me from this body of death? I don't want to do the things that I'm doing. Did you ever be in a place where you just you needed to know what to do and you didn't know what to do? Yeah, we've all been there. How, how about this one? Have you ever been doing something that you knew you shouldn't do and you just wish that you couldn't do it? Yeah, we've all been there. It is so significant that Jesus, of all the people gathered in that little spot, walks up to this guy. <laughs> I want you to know that when you sit by the pool of your problems, Jesus is willing to walk right up to you and meet you where you are. But praise God, he's not willing to leave you where you are. Amen. That was a good place to say amen. <laughs> because you're not going to want to in a minute. Because <laughs> what he actually does is the challenge for us. See, that that's awesome. That I'm sitting there disabled and Jesus would walk up to me. Jesus walks up to him and that's incredible and it's exactly what he needs. But I want you to notice something. And this is, this would get Jesus canceled today, by the way. Do <laughs> you know what this is? You're chuckling at me. Yeah, we know what it is. We live in a culture that is difficult right now. It's difficult right now because we're supposed to affirm everything and nothing at the same time. You're like, which way do I go? I, I need a standard of truth, but truth isn't real. Well, it's like, well, well, but it is, which is why you feel that way. Right. And so Jesus comes here. This guy's been here. Jesus learns that he's been there for a long time. And then look at what the scripture says. It says he asked him. This is this is wild to me. I don't want you to miss this. Paralyzed person. I live with two people who have physical handicaps and this question would be offensive to me. Okay, just so you know where I'm coming from. I we live this. He comes to this guy and he says. Jesus asked him, do you want to get well? What a question. Duh. I do want to get well. Why would he ask this guy, do you want to get well? Let, let's let's take let's take one one more step into the pool here. Listen, after 15 years of pastoring and preaching the Bible, I still find it perplexing. I'm just going to be honest with you today. Is that OK in church? Are we OK to be honest with each other? Have a family conversation. OK, and I'm not just pointing fingers at you. I'm talking about me. I'm the I've been preaching this Bible to you for the last seven years from this pulp, well, this table, not this place, but you get you follow. Listen, I still find it perplexing that a lot of us, myself at the front of that line, come to church frequently, frequently. Are you picking up what I'm laying down? We show up to church frequently. But listen to me. If you don't get anything else, get this today. No, that's not true. I want you to get the end. But listen. But have no desire or intention of seeing God change anything about your life or mine. 
That's wild. You should feel like I stepped on your toes. I stepped on mine all week. I was like, how can I even say this to you? Because I'm pretty similar to what I was seven years ago. That's sad. (laughs) Because listen to me. If Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life, and if he would walk up to you sitting by the pool of your problems and offer you eternal life, that would lead to an abundant life now. If you would just abide in him and he in you, and you would bear much fruit Jesus said in Luke 4, I came to set the captive free. But so many of us, the scripture says, are like a dog that returns to their vomit. Like Paul says in Romans 7, I don't do the things I want to do. Who's going to deliver me? This is where we're at. Jesus comes to this guy and he says what this guy needs to hear, not what we think he needs to hear. Do you want to get well? And Jesus would walk up to you today and say, do you want to get well? And the obvious answer is yes. And Jesus might be wondering, then why won't you do what I've offered you to do? Because I don't think many of us actually want to give up control of our life. You see, the the solution is simple, but the reality of it is difficult when you live in the way that we live. It's tough. It's tough. Listen, listen to me. You should write this down because you're going to have to think about it. (laughs) I've been thinking about it all week. Getting well is going to require that you change. Not somebody else. It's... It's that you, that me, when I get up and I look in the mirror and I don't, I'm not experiencing resurrection life that Easter promised and delivered, by the way. I got 99 problems and I'm all of them. Great theologian once said. That's not true. So many times in our life we want to talk about breakthrough, right? Like, where, where's my breakthrough? So many of us want to talk about breakthrough, but we can't be bothered to make the necessary adjustments to our lives to receive said breakthrough. I'm talking to myself. The truth is, Jesus is willing to give you healing and joy and peace. But the struggle is, <laughs> that might come along with some long suffering, as the Bible says. I might come along with some accountability, some self-control, and to be sure it will require abiding in Him. Praying, reading God's Word, gathering with God's people, going to a city group, giving your time, your abilities, and even your money. Oh, don't bring money into it, Pastor. I have to, right? Because Jesus said, follow the money, didn't He? He said, where your treasure is that's where your what your heart will be also we have to talk about money because Jesus said that's where our heart would be Jesus gave his life for the church but we struggle to bring a tithe 
Jesus gave his life for the church, but we struggle to give our time. Jesus gave his life for the church, but we struggle to pray. Jesus gave his life for the church, but we struggle to read the word. Jesus gave his life for us, but we struggle to love our neighbor as ourself. Jesus would be confused by this. <laughs> right? But that's also why it went from crowds on the hillside down to 120 hiding in the upper room, didn't it? Because the difference of actually following Jesus is significant. Jesus said, abide in me and I'll abide in you and you will bear much fruit. Not a little bit, a lot of it. Much fruit. If you're not experiencing resurrection life, much fruit. We got to change some stuff. And listen, this isn't about Redeemer City Church or Mitch bringing his kingdom to Tampa Heights as it is in heaven. Right? It's not what this is about. If you can't do those basics here, if you can't tithe, serve, pray, read the Bible, gather, love your neighbors here, please find a church where you can. Because this is not about us building our kingdom. It is about truly following Jesus, though. And those are the things that he said lead to an abundant life. And so we don't need to wonder where God is if we're not meeting him where he said he would be, right? Do you want to get well? Listen, I'd be very sad if you left, so don't hear the wrong thing today. I want you here. I want to get better at doing this with you. But I need help. I'm not good at all the things. But Jesus would ask every single one of us the same question that he asked that man by the pool. If he were standing here, I'm convinced. Do you want to get well? Listen to his answer in verse six. Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. I love that he answered that honestly. And yet, it wasn't a good enough answer for Jesus. Right? This guy having an excuse about why he couldn't get to the pool in time to be healed was not a good enough answer because he wasn't looking to change. Listen to me. He wasn't looking to change this man's circumstances. He was looking to change this man. So many of us, we stop short of doing the things God's called us to do because we want God to change our circumstances. And God says, no, no, I put those circumstances there to change you. And so we're praying for God to deliver us from what God says will deliver us because <laughs> his goals are different than ours. And that's the rub. That's why I said this is so hard. Because at the end of the day, it's going to require that you change, that I change. So powerful. What is Jesus doing here? He's bringing this man to recognize that breakthrough comes, healing comes where our excuses stop. Watch this verse eight. How can I say that when he just said, listen, then Jesus said to him, verse eight, get up. Pick up your mat and walk. 
We're like, praise God. Listen, Jesus would come to you today and he would say, I will heal you. Get up, pick up your mat and walk. Amen. Can I get an amen in church today? Can we turn the corner and be happy? Right. It's difficult, but it's possible. Because Jesus would speak life into your dead bones. He did it in Ezekiel. He's doing it in this man's life and he'll do it in your life because Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. But look, how can I say it's about excuses? Why would I say that? <laughs> look at what Jesus says. Get up, pick up your mountain walk. Verse eight, verse nine. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. Powerful stuff. Resurrection. Dead things come to life. But look what happens later in verse 14. The Bible literally says, Later, Jesus found him at the temple. Okay, so this guy's telling everybody, Man, this dude healed me. The religious people are like, Who healed you? Because religious people. Right? They're like, Who did that? Not like, oh my gosh, you're walking. No, no, no. Who did that? What is wrong with us? (laughs) What is wrong with humans? Look what Jesus says to him, though. This is why this the whole story turns you on your head, because first of all, like, would you why would you even ask him? Does he want to get well? Of course he does. And then look what Jesus says next. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. Look, look at this. (laughs) Stop sinning. (laughs) What? So out of place. Jesus, relax, buddy. Give him like 24 hours to be healed and walk. No, no, no. Jesus is like, no, the thing that matters more than you walking physically is that you would walk spiritually. Because this life is short, the next one is long. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. What's worse than not being able to walk? Jesus said what would be worse would be to gain the whole world and lose your soul. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said it would be more tragic If you would get everything the world has to offer, but lose your soul. The audacity of Jesus to suggest this man was sinning. Think about it. Do you want to get well? Stop sinning. Wow. Look at verse 22. Moreover, the father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the son That all may honor the son just as they honor the father. Whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. You want to know what the greatest news that I could possibly share with you today in light of that text? That just before this, to a guy named Nicodemus, the Bible says this, that For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would have eternal life and would not perish. And that Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Think about the connection here. Jesus is saying the father is sending the son. 
all judgment is in his hands. And Jesus is saying, I didn't come to condemn you. I came to save you. Other scriptures just say, God's not willing that anyone should perish. God is after you. God is next to you at the pool of your problems. And he's asking you the question, do you want to be well? But make no mistake about it. This is not a free for all. This is not a do whatever makes you feel right. He says, do you want to be well? Then stop sinning. What's the implication there? That there is a narrow road that leads to life and there are very few people on it. And there's this other road, this broad road that leads to destruction. And there's a lot of people on it, the Bible says. And Jesus is inviting you to stop sinning and step onto the narrow road that leads to life. But it's so hard to get off the broad road. Step onto the narrow road that leads to life. See, because the Christian life, the kingdom of God coming to earth as in heaven, isn't just about saying a sinner's prayer. That's not anywhere in the Bible. What is in the Bible is that you would confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead. And the scripture says you will be saved. But make no mistake about it. When somebody else becomes Lord, that means you change That means I change and that is the rub in the 21st century United States of American church. It's hard, hard. And I don't want to lead you down a path and say, man, Jesus, resurrection life. Yay. And we could have, we could have stopped there and not gotten to verse nine and 14. But that's the reality. Is that Jesus wants to make you well, but to be well (laughs) requires some change. That's what repentance is, by the way. Repentance means I'm going this way and I'm going to stop. I'm going to turn around and I'm going to go a different way. So Jesus is offering you healing today. But healing in your life comes when your excuses to keep sinning stop. What are you making excuses for in your life today? You don't got time to hear all my excuses. I've got a lot of them. I do. Pray for me. What are you blaming others for? What are you blaming others for? Let's go a little farther. What are you blaming God for? This man was waiting for his chance to change his circumstances when what he really needed was just a minute with Jesus. There's a reason that our self-help sections are as big as they are in every bookstore and on Amazon and everywhere. Because I think we all know we need to change. The problem is, you're not going to find healing in a bookstore. You're going to find healing in Jesus. Everlasting life. I'm not saying those other things aren't good, but they come on the back end of being healed. They come on the back end of being set free.
He was waiting for a chance to change his circumstances. (laughs) And all he needed was a minute with Jesus. I wonder if that's you today. I wonder if you're watching online or listening to a podcast. That would be you today. That you've been waiting for a chance to change your circumstances. When all God's really trying to do is get you to realize that you just need a minute with him. It, it's we understand this. We do it for those of you who have kids. And even if you don't, you I'm sure you've seen me interact with my kids. My kids will run up to me as soon as the service is over with a problem. <laughs> and it's earth shattering and they need me to change the circumstance now, like right now, or they're going to die. Did you know that every day at 250, when my children get picked up from school, they're dying how many of you parents know if you don't have a snack in the back seat of your car, you're in trouble. <laughs> Preaching to somebody. Right? We call that hangry at the coon house. <laughs> they want to change to their circumstances, right? <laughs> dying. We know they're not dying. They're just hungry. Right? They're just hungry. I wonder today if you are here. And if you were honest, you would say, man, pastor, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. And I've been trying all these different things. But at the end of the day, what I really need, if I'm honest, is I need a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've never had one before. You don't even know what that means. The invitation is to come and find life, to find a life you never knew was there, that you never knew was possible. One where there is an answer and there is a way and it leads to life. But it does involve laying down your life and receiving his. That's why the scripture says we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. And we believe in our heart that Jesus rose from the dead. That's where salvation comes. That we would confess outward what God's doing inward. But what about those of us who have been in church, who have a relationship with Jesus, and it still feels like I need my circumstance to change? Just invite you to take inventory of your life. Are you doing the things that he's called you to do? You see, because if you stop paying attention to your significant other, that will become a problem. And we know that. It's no different with Jesus. If we never show up and look Jesus eye to eye and listen to him speak and pray and offer sacrifices of praise, you're not going to see him. So I just want to, in this moment, give you a minute with Jesus. If you're watching online, that you would just take a minute and pause To be with Jesus. What's he saying to you? Is he asking you if you want to get well? My hunch is that for some of us, he's been asking us that question for a long time and we know he's been asking it. And we've just kind of ignored it. Chances are a lot of us know one or two or three or five or ten (laughs) things that would need to change if Jesus was going to. Show up and give us abundant life. 
What are you making excuses for? I'm going to have the band come up and play. And while they're just playing music over you, I want to give every one of us a chance to spend a minute with Jesus. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, if you've never felt that call, that wooing of the Holy Spirit of God in your heart to Jesus and you're sensing that now, we want to walk you through that. The best decision, sometimes the scariest, but the best decision, (laughs) even in our culture, is to surrender your life to Jesus. You see, because the Bible says that it's when you lay down your life that you'll actually find it. It's counterintuitive to what you've been taught, but it is nonetheless true. Most of the people sitting around you right now have found that to be true. If you are a Christian and you just find yourself asking the question, what am I making excuses for? I would just encourage you to take a minute and pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you what it is that needs to change. See, because oftentimes it's not our circumstances that need to change. It's our thinking. It's our attitude. It's our prayer life. It's our, you fill in the blank. I don't need to do that for you. The Holy Spirit can do that for you. But chances are you're a lot like me. You know exactly what needs to change. So why don't you stand with me and let's just take a minute. You don't have to stand. If you prefer to sit and pray, you can. If you would prefer to pray with somebody, you can do that right where you're at. Just turn to somebody near you. Ask them to pray with you. That's what the gathering of God's people is for. It's not just to sit here and listen to me yak. I'm glad you do, but... We want that to translate into life. So if you need somebody to pray with you, grab somebody nearby. I promise you they're not scary. They would love to pray with you. If you want to come up and pray with me, I would love to. If you want to go to the back, Jerome, stand him back there. He would love to pray with you. Listen, we don't got time to waste. Life is short. James says your life is like a vapor. It's here for a little while and then it's gone. We're not guaranteed our next breath. But that reality shouldn't scare us. It should excite us. So we're one more second closer to being face to face with Jesus. Amen. So let's just take a minute. If you want to pray with one of us, please just step out and come forward. It won't be weird at all, I promise. It'll give you life. Grab somebody nearby. Listen, we're not here wasting time. There's more to life than what you can see, friends. His name's Jesus. He wants to meet you right where you are and offer you healing. But make no mistake about it. Healing comes with change. (laughs) But it's worth it. So let's take a minute and let's pray together. Feel free to pray out loud if you want to. This is the real reason we're here. You didn't come here to listen to me. You came here to taste and see that the Lord is good. So talk to Him. If you want to pray with us, please step out and come. And in just a minute, I'll, I'll come back up and close us in prayer. Come on.
people praying around the room. Don't be shy. Come on. This is what you're here for. Go to the Lord. As we pray together, in just a minute we'll sing one more song of praise to the Lord. But as we go to pray together corporately, I just want you to think about this phrase from John chapter 1. The Bible says this, Indeed, we have all received grace upon grace. That's our testimony. So as we enter into his courts with praise and into his courts with thanksgiving and praise his name one more time, I just invite you to pray in your heart along with me in light of all that grace that you've been given. God, thanks for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for being Jesus. I'm so thankful that you... (laughs) stepped out of the splendors of heaven so that we could have life. Indeed, as your word says, we have received grace upon grace. We praise you. Holy Spirit, I pray for any of my friends in this room or watching online or listening later that don't know you. They're not sure if you're real. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to them right now. Would you help them overcome their fear, overcome their weakness, that they might know that you are God? Would you give them the courage to tell somebody, take that first step of faith? We love you, Jesus. Help those of us who have been doing this for a long time, Lord. Our hearts are hard. They're not soft anymore. I pray that you would stand at the field that is our heart, like you did with Ezekiel in front of those dry bones. And would you give them life? We need you. We don't want to pretend anymore. We want to be well. 
So Jesus, as we sing this last song to you, I pray that you would not stop speaking. I pray that you would continue to speak to us, work in our heart. Give us courage to face our circumstances and to walk through the valley of the shadow of death because you promised us that you would be with us. Come on, church, let's sing together.